This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Every day I get emails, calls, and social media contacts from around the world asking me questions about coaching, improving coaching, sports science and coaching, creative coaching, and a whole range of other topics. But one of the most common questions that I get is usually from students, from university students or from final year high school students who've been given a task, have been given a project or an assignment about coaching and the questioning will come in the form of what are the most important coaching skills or what are the eight most, 10 most, 10, 15, 20 most important coaching skills that coaches need to learn or what would you say are the core coaching skills that every coach must learn and regularly I get those types of questions. And most of the time I say to the students, look, why don't you use a thing called Google or go to a library because there are so many books, there's so much stuff online and audio, on podcasts, on video, that it's written down on blogs and a whole range of formats that you can access. But every so often, I'll respond because I'll be inspired to think about and reflect on What did I actually learn? What do I learn doing what I do and mixing with so many great coaches and being around coaching and coach development all the time? If I had to encapsulate it down and cut it down, you know, what are the core things, the central factors that I think coaches need to be aware of? Or if you like, what are the the essential coaching skills? So for today's podcast, I've come up with what I believe are the eight essential coaching skills that all coaches need to learn, to consider, to work on, to develop, and to improve. There are hundreds of coaching skills, but increasingly, what I find is that the more I'm in this industry and the more I'm working with people who are actively coaching and the more that I spend time observing, working with, mentoring coaches, the list of actual skills get less and less. But within each of those skills, there's a whole range of different factors and elements, if you like, almost sub-skills that flow from it. But these are the eight that I believe are the most essential skills for coaches to learn. Number one, there's a line in the sport of swimming that says, Don't count the laps, make every lap count. And if you're in track and field, if you're in swimming, if you're in an environment which involves repetition, which is just about every sport, it's the same principle. Don't count the training sessions, make every training session count. Or if you like, make sure you are aware of the gaps between the laps. Make sure you're aware of what is written down, but most importantly, be aware of what's not written down. 
This first one to me says everything about where coaching is right now. Because of the internet, anyone can get anything, anywhere, anytime for free. There is so much information available through online sources, through so much access to ideas and information online. It's no longer a matter as a coach of figuring out what to do. You can find out anything. You can write practices and workouts and training session. All that information is available. But the real key is what I call the gaps between the laps. It's not what's written down on your iPad. It's not what's written down on the whiteboard. It's not what's written down in your training diary. It's what's not written that makes all the difference. And particularly now, with so many people learning online, it is essential that you develop and learn all the skills that are not written down. So, you know, what's written down? Planning and programming, of course. How to develop practice sessions, sports science. How to periodize. How to vary volume, intensity, and frequency. All that stuff's written down. The science of sport is everything that's written down, but the art of coaching are all the things that's not written down. All those gaps between warm-up and skill development work and training sets, it's the things that don't appear visibly that make all the difference. So number one, understand that real coaching, the art of coaching, is the gaps between the laps. Don't count training sessions. Don't count bench presses. Don't count push-ups. Make everything that they do count. Make everything that you do count. The second, and I've drawn three things together for this, but the second in our eight essential coaching skills is this. Connect, engage, inspire. Connect, engage, inspire. C-E-I. In the end... The great coaches inspire the hearts and minds of the athletes they work with. It's a game of inspiration. It's a game of looking at a young athlete, spending time with them and inspiring their heart and their mind to believe that anything is possible. To inspire them to believe that they can do anything. That's what coaching is ultimately about, is that ability of a coach to inspire however It's very, very difficult, almost impossible to walk up to an athlete with no relationship, without connecting with them, without engaging with them, and then trying to inspire them. Lots of people pay a lot of money to go and hear motivational speakers or to attend seminars where people come out and try to blow them away with the power of their their uh, oration experience and try to come out and really blow people away and amaze them with storytelling and slide presentations. And those things rarely work very well because that's not the way that this works. Ultimately, coaching is a game of inspiration. Coaching is the art of inspiring change through emotional connection. It's that first part that makes everything work. Connecting with an athlete, listening 
to the athlete, building a relationship with the athlete, engaging them by showing that you care about them, that they know that what you're doing and saying is all about them and them getting better. And once you've connected and engaged, then they've opened their heart and their mind for you to inspire them. So the second of our eight essential coaching skills is the process of connection, engagement, and inspiration. Number three in our eight essential coaching skills, continuous improvement. Getting better and getting better at getting better. About spending time every day after every practice, every workout, every gym session, at the end of every day, thinking about how can I get better. I find that there's two types of coaches that I work with. One that I write something on a board or I present some information. One group of coaches write it down and go, ah, that's the way to do it. But the second group, which is a lot smaller than the first group, go, hey, that's not a bad idea. I wonder if we could, I wonder if you did, they immediately look at what I've presented and challenge it and challenge themselves to do it better. There's two definite groups. There's the people who write it all down and copy it and the people who write it down so that they can improve on it. The beautiful thing about continuous improvement is anyone can do it. It's just a shift in mindset from being someone who copies to someone who challenges, from someone who accepts what is and immediately thinks about what it could be, from just following to leading. Continuous improvement is a skill that anyone can learn and all it takes is for you, next time you're in a room and you're taking notes, is to look at the page and write over the top, in the column, at the back, Anywhere on that page, write down what if. Continuous improvement starts with you asking yourself what if. By looking at what you've written down or recorded or observed, looking at what you're thinking and saying, that's not a bad idea, but what if? How can I make that better? How can I make it different? That's all it really takes to become a coach who's committed to continuous improvement. Think about it this way. What we like to see for our athletes is that they keep getting better. Simply, clearly, apply that same principle to yourself. Am I getting better at what I'm doing? And if you're getting better and you're connecting, engaging and inspiring, if you've got a strong relationship with your athletes, they can't help but get better. So number three, continuous improvement. What if? Number four in our eight essential coaching skills, give athletes ownership over their own practice, preparation, and performance. I'll give you a simple example. For many, many years, coaches have tried to improve the technique of athletes. And for many, many coaches, they have a model of technique which they've developed by observing 
high-performance athletes, elite athletes, world record holders, successful professional players, or they've studied biomechanics or they've read textbooks. And in their mind, the coaches have a model of what the technique of their sport, the key techniques of their sport should be. That model is completely wrong. We're not enforcing a specific technique on an athlete. We're developing their technique. We're developing a unique technique that works for them. Every athlete is different. Every technique is different. Now, sure, in every sport and every technique, there'll be some common areas, some common features, some common elements that we know through research, through the study of biomechanics, through the study of applied physics. We know that in every sport and every technique, there's some things that just have to happen. Head position and hip position in golf swings, for example, or head position, hip position in the sport of swimming or in running. There's some things that are common, even though the more superficial things with other parts of athletes' bodies may be a little different and unique, but there are some core things. But ultimately, you're not developing a golf swing or a tennis swing. You're developing Sarah's golf swing. You're developing Tony's forehand. You're developing Julie's running style. You're developing their technique through quality coaching experiences and working with them. It's their technique. I've listed this under these eight essential coaching skills because so much of coaching is based around skills and the coaching of skills. And so many coaches at every level spend a lot of time trying to improve skill. But I think for the most part, coaches go down the wrong path by having a specific technical model, which they then apply to every athlete that they coach. And it's frustrating and it's annoying and it doesn't work the way that it should work. The reason is that the only kid who's textbook perfect is the kid whose picture appears in the textbook. For everybody else, we're developing their technique. We're developing, they own their technique. It's their technique. It's not ours. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's theirs. So to focus on developing the skills and the technique of the individual athletes that you're working with, give them ownership for their own technique. Every athlete is unique. Every technique is unique. Number five in our eight essential coaching skills, creativity and innovation, creativity and innovation. As I've said on countless occasions, there is so much information available online. Everyone knows what you know. Everyone knows what everyone else knows. There are no secrets. There is no secret training plan or secret program or secret strength and conditioning routine. Everyone knows what everyone else knows. As soon as someone comes up with an idea these days, it's on social media. A few years ago, people would keep new ideas and innovations to themselves at Performance Edge. However, now, more than ever, there are no secrets. Everyone knows what everyone else knows. There are so many Twitter champions out there who are sharing ideas and workouts and videos and ideas. So many people are sharing 
and sharing for the most part means copying. It can lead to laziness because you don't have to think. You don't have to be creative and innovative because I can just go online, I can go onto Instagram, I can go to YouTube and I can just do what someone else is doing. And that is a recipe for disaster. Creativity and innovation have never been more important skills. And anyone can learn to be creative and innovative. The difference between creativity and innovation is very simple. Creativity is the idea, is the thought, is the originality, is the spark, is the genius. And innovation is doing something with it, is the action of doing something with it. So how do you become more creative and innovative? Starts by when you've got an idea, write it down, record it. Don't ignore those little bits of genius that you have from time to time. And secondly, come up with a process, a way, a method, a routine where you turn those ideas into actions. There are a lot of very, very, very creative people who never realize their potential because they don't have a process to put their genius into real action. But creativity and innovation, particularly for those of you working at the highest levels of sport, those of you working in high performance, creativity and innovation have never been more important because everyone knows what you know. And I argue very strongly that coaching is no longer what you know. There's a, a very old phrase that goes that, that knowledge is power. Well, knowledge is only power if you're the only one who's got it. But as everyone has the same knowledge, knowledge isn't power. The real power in coaching is creative ability and innovative processes to apply that genius into action to gain a competitive edge. Number five in our eight essential coaching skills, creativity and innovation are the key. Number six, everyone's very good at writing down things in this business. Coaches are great at writing plans and programs and workouts. But there's a fascinating little trick, fascinating little issue that I do observe, that coaches will often plan in great detail their training sessions, but when they're actually working with the athletes, as they're supposed to, they will adapt the workout and change the practice, sometimes only in subtle ways, but they'll adapt and change to meet the specific demands of the athlete on that day. Athlete could be more tired, could be less tired, could be disinterested, could be injured, could be ill, could be a whole range of factors, but coaches will inevitably and frequently change their training programs during a workout to respond to the changing unique needs of individual athletes. And number six is adapt your plans and record the changes that you make. I'll go through that one very, very specifically. It's not what you write. It's not just what you plan to do. It's what you actually do. And I'm a great believer that coaches and the coaching process is a creative process. You quite often are inspired by the athletes on deck or on the athletes on the field or on court. You're quite often inspired by the athletes 
to do things or to try things that maybe you haven't planned to do. That's fantastic. Keep it up. That's great. However, if you make changes, if you adapt your training plan, if you change the workout, change the practice, write it down. Take a note of what you did. The reason is, if it's a great idea and it really worked, you want to do it again. And if you haven't written it down, you'll forget it. You'll just go, well, that's what we did because that's what's written in my diary. That's what's on my spreadsheet. That's what was on the whiteboard. Secondly, if what you try in adapting your training plan on that particular day doesn't work, you want to avoid it in the future. And again, you will forget and just rely on your actual plan and what was written down if you don't record it as soon as you possibly can, as soon as you walk off the training environment. So number six, sure plan, but adapt your plan for the individual athlete based on where they are, how they feel, how recovered or not recovered they are, all those factors, but make sure that you record all the changes, all the things that you do to adapt that workout for those athletes on that day. Don't miss those sparks, those little pieces of genius that you have. Number seven in our eight essential coaching skills, relationships equal results. Relationships equal results. We've all gone through a tough time over the last year. COVID-19 has decimated so many clubs and sports and coaching programs and school sports programs around the world. And as sports start to gear up and start again, people are spending money on marketing campaigns and trying to get kids to come back and reconnect to sport. And so many of those kids have now experienced a life of leisure, where they've been sitting around watching TV, playing Xbox, hanging out with their friends without the pressures and demands of early morning training, long weekends away from home competing, the, the toughness and challenge of the training experience generally. And a lot of those kids are thinking, maybe I don't want to go back. But I believe the ones who will rush back to the sport are the ones who feel a strong connection to the sport and have a great relationship with the people who are delivering that experience of sport. In most cases, that's the coach. The stronger your relationship is with your athletes, where it's built on trust, and honesty, and integrity, and a genuine and authentic care of them as human beings, and an holistic approach where they know without fail that you care for them as a human being and you want the best for them. The stronger and better your relationship is with your athletes, not only will that lead to them returning to training and recommitting to their program, relationships equal results. Relationships equal results. And number eight, our final essential coaching skill is this. Ask yourself, what is your end game? What is the end game that you've got in mind for you as a coach? What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to end up? What level of coaching do you aspire to? To being a great school coach? To being an Olympic coach? to being someone who coaches at professional level, to be someone who coaches kids for free at the local park. 
All of those aspirations are wonderful. But what is your end game? Where are you heading with coaching? Where's your end game for your athletes? What do you want for your athletes? What do you believe you're doing for them as a coach? What is it that you want to see in your athletes 10 years from now when you're no longer coaching them? You meet them somewhere for a coffee or you run into them at the shopping center, the supermarket, the market, the mall, and they come up to you. What do you want to see in them? Do you want to see happiness? Do you want to see success? Do you want to see health and well-being? Do you want to see all of those things? None of those things. What is your end game for your athletes? And finally, what is your end game for your own life? Where does coaching fit into your life? When you look back on your life and you look back on coaching, how has it fit into your life? How has it enriched your life? How has it made your life better? What do you want from the experience of coaching for your own life? So number eight, very importantly, is to spend some time reflecting on what is your end game? What's the end game for your coaching? Where do you want to end up with your coaching? Have you thought about it? Because that will guide and shape many, many of the decisions that you make day to day or to determine what jobs you may take and not take, the way you coach, the type of coaching that you do day to day. Secondly, what's the end game for your athletes? What do you want for them? If you want them to be balanced, if you want them to have a strong sense of identity, to be confident, to believe in themselves, to be happy, to value themselves, well, that's going to also vary the way that you coach. It might impact on doing some study on how to help kids with mental health and mental well-being. But knowing your end game, what do you want to see at the end of the coaching time, at the time when your athletes are no longer working with you, what's your end game for your athletes? Where do you want them to be when they leave your coaching program? And then finally, again, what is your end game for yourself? When you're 75, 80, 90, 100, looking back at your coaching, what do you want to reflect on? What type of coaching life do you want to see? What sort of experiences do you want to look back and say, wow, I was so happy when I was coaching because I changed the lives of so many kids and helped them believing that anything is possible in their life or I achieved remarkable success. I'm so proud of the medals that we won and the trophies that I won as a coach. What's your end game in your life that you want to see looking back and reflecting in your coaching career. The eight essential coaching skills. One, it's the gaps between the laps. Number two, connect, engage, inspire. Number three, get better, get better, get better. It's continuous improvement. Four, give athletes ownership over their own path, their own career, their own technique, their own practice. It's their technique. It's their skill. It's their practice, it's their performance. Creativity and innovation are without doubt the absolute keys to coaching success now and in the future. Plan, but then adapt the plans to the needs of the individual athletes and record the changes that you made. Relationships equal results. And number eight, what's your end game for your coaching, for your athletes, and for your life. This is Wayne Goldsmith for Sports 
Thoughts? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. Thank you.